0: What is going on everyone? This is your host Rafael Matuszewski and I'm excited about today's episode because we're going to talk about a little back pain again. Um, So I've done a compilation episode like this with all my previous episodes leading up to this point. Um, I probably pulled episodes from three years ago even four maybe on the topic of low back pain. And I started going through my episodes kind of within this last six months to a year. And I realized that I have put out so much content on low back pain and back pain in general and what to do about it. So it was kind of natural for me to do like another compilation episode. So I have three episodes that are about 30-ish minutes each on this whole idea about back pain but compared to the other ones that i've done it's a little bit more specific to a point where you could figure out um, what's causing your low back pain and i showcase a little bit more in depth of things that you can do at home Um, whereas my other compilation of low back pain it was kind of more of the general sense um, more so kind of my thoughts and showcasing some exercises that you could do to help with a flare-up or whatever um, may be causing those issues. So in this one, all three of them are a presentation-styled episode, so it's very, very educational and very visual. So for those who are just listening in, uh, hit the show notes in this episode and watch it because there's going to be a lot of information and... There's definitely some selfish plugs for my ebook, The Ironclad Body Training System Volume 2, which is also going to be available in the show notes if you want to get it. Because there's a couple sections of that book where there's a whole section of low back pain and what to do about it. And um, I go through a couple assessments to figure out what's actually causing your low back pain. And I've used these assessments for myself. I've used them for clients, patients, you name it. And they're very, very simple things. And all of this stuff is not mine. It's not new. It's been around forever. And primarily all of it has come from Dr. Strew and McGill, which is kind of funny because I think it was yesterday, I just posted people that you should follow on Instagram. And Dr. Stuart McGill was my uh, person that I put up. So if you don't already follow him, 100% you should. But I'm excited about this episode because we're going to kind of troubleshoot. And, you know, say we figure out your back pain is caused to um, compressional forces or your flexion intolerant. What exercises I should be doing and avoiding to kind of get out of that flare-up stage. Because that's the thing, right? Because a lot of times people will get a flare-up and they're like, okay, what the hell happened? I don't know what's going on. And a lot of times it's just as simple as stay away from these exercises for the next three to six weeks, but do these instead so you can still train. And now things are moving and feeling better. So I'm excited to share this with you. And you know, I've been kind of going through a lot of my episodes to bring them all together and have references. So if somebody emailed me and was like, Hey, um, I need help with shoulder stuff. I already have a shoulder compilation, uh, episode that I could just pull and send it. And it's like two hours long and I kind of cover all the topics. So this becomes like an educational resource for everyone that's listening or watching. That being said, we're really close to 400 subscribers. So Anyone listening and watching that likes my content, please hit the subscribe button because it's going to push my channel into the algorithm a little bit more. And another thing that you could do is literally just comment like a thumbs up or like awesome video or something simple like that because any comment I get on any of my videos also pushes my stuff into the algorithm a little bit better to reach more people. So the more interaction i get not only from subscribing but liking a video and adding a comment like that would help me tremendously to build my channel because this year i really really want to push my youtube channel and really grow it to help as many people as possible out there so um i'm gonna leave it at that and if you guys have any more questions feel free to reach out and now without further ado here is the compilation on low back pain and what to do about it what is up everyone? It's your host, Rafael Matashevsky, and this is another episode of Cut the Shit Get Fit. I'm super pumped today to get this episode going, because this is going to be part three of our spine uh, spine spine series. And we're gonna look at the low back today. So if you haven't been you no know, following my stuff, um two, three weeks ago, can't remember now, we started with the neck, and then I did thoracic spine, which is a midsection, and now we're going to look at the low back. So I've done um, a couple episodes on low back pain specifically, but we're going to look at um, the low back in general, and what I see in my, I would say, clinical experience and also on the gym floor. Um, so there's different ways of how I'm going to go through this way. So I'm kind of curious to see where my brain leads me to, but uh, I am just really excited right now because my book is really taking shape for the launch. And, you know, if you've been following me on Instagram or Facebook, I've been giving a little, uh, little previews of what's in store and, you know, If you're someone with any kind of spine stuff, from neck pain, neck tightness, to mid-back tightness or pain or low back, what we're going to talk about today, this book is definitely going to be for you, and uh, I'll show a little preview of the book, too, in this episode, which is going to be a sneak peek of it, and uh, yeah, if, honestly, if you've dealt with any kind of injury or... Um, just pain in general, this book and program is probably going to be very, very good for you. Um, So without getting into my entire book that I could talk about for like a full hour, um, let's talk about the low back. So the stat right now is two out of three people have experienced some sort of back pain and have also experience back pain where you couldn't do your everyday stuff so there's a lot of mechanisms that cause low back pain and for every single person it's going to be a little bit different and even our perception of pain is different and my goal for this episode is to one educate on the anatomy part but also um give you options of what you can do, because I feel like a lot of stuff that you read online when it comes to pain is they tell you, you know, you type in your symptom on Google, like, my back fucking hurts, and then it goes, surgery, or this is what's causing it, you have a herniated disc, you have a bulging disc, blah, 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 which I all get into in my book, and I go pretty far into detail and also give you options of how to self-assess because that's super important too because it's like if you go to a doctor I mean complain about low back pain they'll just tell you it's part of aging you have most likely you know um, degenerative uh, disc disease and it's just part of it so here's some pills uh, and you know stay off any kind of physical activity for x amount of time um, or you go down the chirophysio route and, you know, they'll treat the area, you'll relieve some pain, and you're good to go for a month or two, maybe a couple of weeks, but then it comes back. And then this is where exercise comes comes into play because a lot of times when people have low back pain, they will right away either stop what they're doing and do nothing to, you know, give, relieve some tension, because that's what it is. It's like you have those painful signals being sent through your spinal cord to your brain, and then the brain tries to shut down the area that's in hurt to protect you. So initially, like, you just don't want to move. It's kind of like when you roll your ankle, you just don't want to put any weight on it. But after that kind of like first 24 hours of inflammation, you kind of need to re- start moving that ankle again to get blood flow to, you know, rebuild the musculature and the tendons and ligaments all the stuff that was, you know, injured. So that's one option. You just end up not doing anything. Second option is you end up um, going to physio, chiro, RMT, whatever it is, to relieve that painful um, feeling, that response, right? So you're good to go for like a month or so because, you know, the chiro, physio, RMT helped quite a bit, but eventually comes back. That's the thing is when you get low back pain, it tends to always come back. And it becomes really frustrating. And when you look at the stats of how much money is put into surgery for the low back specifically, it's a shit ton. But a lot of people don't understand that exercise can actually help so, so much. Now, how to help you in low back pain Say that, yeah, you've gone to physio and chiro and RMT so many times, it's nothing serious. You don't have like a blown disc. You don't have, you know, tearing or whatever it is. It's just like, comes out of nowhere. You went to go bend down to pick up your kid, and your whole back gave out, and you're like, holy fuck, not this again. Those situations, exercise 100% is going to help a lot. I've seen people in the clinic where they had those scenarios but then they didn't do anything really about it, and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And they're at that point where, you know, they can be getting treated every single week, and it just kind of makes the pain kind of tolerable. But nothing's really helping, and that's where they're like, "Should I need to get um, surgery. When it comes to surgery, from my experience, and I've had people on my show talk about this too, And at that time when I was interviewing those people, I didn't really know that much, but now like working in a clinic alongside three chiropractors now and the two specifically who have a lot of experience, um, I've learned a lot when it comes from the surgical side and all most of the time, say out of a pain scale of 10 and you're at like an eight or nine when it comes to your back pain, that's usually that point where you're like really need to, Go down the route of surgery. The people that I've known that have gone the got the surgery, or you know, um, got the surgery that I know from online or whatever it is, you know, their pain scale out of that ten, say they were eight or nine, it usually goes down to like a five or six, and then after a couple of years, it kind of starts creeping back up, and you know, I've read a lot on. Dr. Stuart McGill's work, and he has a lot of great information for the general public um, in his book. I think it's called The Back Mechanic, where if you're going down that route of I need surgery, I'm going to start researching, talking to surgeons, and things like that. One of the most important things that he says to do is that when you get your MRI, you have all that, all the imaging, and you go to your surgeon with it and they're telling you that they're going to do this procedure, they're going to do this and do that, you need to ask them specifically, point and show me where you're going to operate and remove my pain. And a lot of times, if a surgeon is really good, they're going to explain everything perfectly, but a lot of times they can't really answer that. So it's kind of scary to like put your whole self and trust into an individual that's literally going to open you up and you hope for the best but um, a lot of times you just have to remove the pain trigger right so you don't know how many times where i've gone somebody with a back pain and i get them to write a like a pain journal and one a lot of times when people say oh my god my back hurts all the time and ever it's like every single day Like I can't live like this. And then you get them to write a pain journal. And this is where like a lot of the psychological stuff comes into play. And I tell them like, I want you to track every single day that you have back pain. That's like just not tolerable that a limit, like you can't do anything and you have to like literally stop what your normal life is. And after a month of tracking that, I meet with that person again, like let's look at that calendar, that pain journal. And, you know, maybe in a week usually it's like three out of the seven days. So it's like, really, it's not as bad as you think. And that can be a very powerful tool where people are like, oh, well, maybe it is not that bad. So now we have, okay, three out of the seven days, it's usually pretty bad. What happens on those days? What happens on the day before, right? And then people will start writing, it's like, well, every Tuesday is like my two kids have these sports and like I'm always loading them in the car and out the car, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well then let's see how you move. Right. So a lot of times and Dr. Sue McGill, this is his brilliance is, you know, when he gets a patient come in for treatment to help him with black, back pain, um, he'll ask them to take their shoes off. And, you know, for any other person, they're like, Oh, okay, that's part of the assessment. He will watch to see, how they take their shoes off and how they put them back on. And probably 99% of the time, they go into that forward flexion position to grab their shoes, to put them back on. And for majority of the people, forward flexion tends to be a trigger for pain. Now, I'm not saying that all forward flexion is terrible, and I've spoken about this forever. But for the general population, in that point in time, when when they have back pain, forward flexion tends to be a trigger to continue that painful response. So a lot of times we need to avoid forward flexion for the time being and build up a little bit more stiffness and endurance for it. Another point I want to make about going down the surgery route, you need to understand that most of the time what they'll do is fuse two vertebrae together in the section where you're presenting pain. So their whole concept is to say like, yeah, you have a herniated disc, bulging disc, whatever it is, you know, we fuse that together and now that disc is not gonna cause any kind of pain. But now, you know, we have two segments that are kind of glued together essentially, but now the segment up top and the bottom have to make up for the work that these two vertebrae that are designed to move can't do anymore so now you're overworking the top portion and the bottom portion so eventually those are going to be overworked they're going to be um, kind of the access point and you're going to fall into the same kind of situation of pain um, i want to bring up that photo that we had uh, let's do that little screen share that i always forget how to do Get this out of the way and Let's full screen this. I think it was this photo that we had last time. No, I should have been prepared, but you know, this is this is what happens. See, I already have that specific one too. We're going to full screen that. We're going to make me bigger. Come on now. All right. So today we're talking about this section here. This is probably the most flared up part of the spine that I see a lot. So we were talking about forward flexion, and this is the reason why it tends to be a culprit for a lot of people. Right now, when I'm sitting... My spine here in the lumbar region does not look like that. In order for that to look like that, I have to do this. How many of us actually sit like this at our desk every day? No, it's this that I just like fell into. So imagine we have our vertebrae here and these little guys are the discs in between and they're kind of like jelly. Right, but they have a surrounding casing to keep that jelly in, but it's pretty like mushy and it like moves, it's fluid, right? It it can move because, like, if I do this and go back into like extension and flexion with my lumbar spine, it kind of acts as like a shock absorber and it can move in the direction that I'm moving my spine in, so it's like very mobile by nature, right? So, now imagine me going into forward flexion and say this goes the opposite direction. If you look at these little discs, what do you think the little jelly sacked thing is going to do? It's going to push out this way. So now imagine you sitting in that, and this is what I talk about all the time. Say, imagine that you're sitting in that position for eight to 10 hours every single day at work. And then if you're not working from home, you are, commuting for maybe average 45 minutes, and then you come home to eat dinner, you're sitting, and then you finish the day off watching Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, whatever thing you have online to watch your shows, and probably 75% of your day is sitting in that flexion position. You would assume that the disc Surrounding musculature is probably not going to feel the greatest after a while. Now, imagine if you were a person who's been doing that for two decades, or even a decade, even a fucking year, that's probably going to cause some issues in your low back. It's equivalent to me going around, and I use this example all the time taking my arm and holding it this way for eight to 10 hours you would assume that after eight to 10 hours in this position and me trying to get into extension with my arm is probably not going to feel the greatest or be as smooth. So now we create all this stiffness, this um, annulus disc pushing forward. And eventually that could actually push onto some nerve endings that could present pain. Worse yet, if you do this long enough, you can get a herniated disc And now we're in that awkward situation where we have low back pain. And this is where the exercise comes in. What can we do in order to prevent this pain? And like, this is going to take a while because I could talk about this all day. Um, Say you're an individual that likes to work out and was fairly active before. And you're kind of like that weekend warrior. You want to like lose weight but your job is causing you to be very inactive and put yourself in these situations where you're in constant forward flexion and you're, you know, an adult now and you have kids, you have to pick them up and falling to that forward flexion in a weighted position, like, you end up injuring yourself and you still want to go to the gym and hit it hard and you're probably doing things that are causing more damage than good into that spinal region, right? And at the end of the day, what we need to do is build more endurance in the musculature surrounding that uh, lumbar spine. That's, That's literally the secret to preventing low back pain. Have the endurance increase to meet the requirement of everyday life, right? So if I, on a daily basis have to like shuffle my kids around all the time, I'm going to be helping my friend move over the weekend, I'm trying to also work out to lose weight, that capacity and requirement is probably going to be up here. But if my lumbar spine musculature endurance is down here, there's this huge gap. So the moment I decide to go pick up my kid the sixth time, maybe that's my capacity. Maybe that's the point where Something goes and your body's literally telling you, Yeah, you can't do this anymore. Right? It's similar to if you were doing bicep curls, say with 25 pounds, after that eighth, ninth, tenth rep, your body's like, Yeah, you know, we can't do anymore. So we're going to slow it down. And then you can't do another rep. Similar to the lumbar spine. You do everyday stuff and then the lumbar spine goes, No more. And then we're in a situation where we injure ourselves. Right? So How do you build that endurance? This is where the exercise comes in. You need to create a good foundation and base for all the stuff that you want to do. And I talk about this all the time where, you know, so many of us are so focused on weight loss and fat loss, which is the main goal of this whole show. But if you don't have the foundation of your body to be able to do workouts that promote fat loss, you're never going to get there. And I've seen this so much, especially in the clinic setting. So many people will come in and be like, yeah, you know, like my shoulder is like kind of achy. And I think I've been like working out too much. And then we go like, okay, well, like let's slow down. Let's back it up a little bit. Let's rehab that shoulder. Shoulder gets back to normal. And then they go back to where they were doing before. And then that shoulder hurts again. It's like, well, your shoulder's not at that capacity. Because this happens all the time. It's like somebody gets injured. They go through the rehab processing, physio, chiro kinesiologist whatever it is me and they get back to a point where they feel really good and then they go back to their normal right away where it's like well it took you time to get to that amount of volume and stress on your body like maybe tone it down and slowly build up back to it right everyone does that it's like people get out of back pain they're like now i'm gonna go gardening for like seven hours fuck that would hurt me like come on (laughs) right so People always jump further than they're actually where they're at, right? So this is where we need to build a good foundation. And with the lumbar spine, it's huge. And the other thing, man, I'm going to be talking forever, and I want to keep this to like 30 minutes. Um, The other thing that causes low back pain is the joints above and below. So we already kind of talked about, you know, from the surgical standpoint, say like two vertebrae are... Um, fused together, the one above and below would now have to do all the work. Now let's talk about the other joints involved that influence the low back. So a lot of times low back pain, it might the low back might not be the actual culprit. It might be the other stuff surrounding it. So the big one is hips. Like if your hips are shit when it comes to mobility, where do you think that mobility is gonna come from? The lumbar spine. The lumbar spine is not designed to be a flexible thing. It should, it's supposed to be stable. In the context of if you're dealing with pain. Because we don't need excessive motion through the lumbar spine. If one, it doesn't have the endurance to do so. And if there are some painful pathways in that lumbar spine. But say your hips. And I always use this example. When I assess somebody's hips and I get them to move it actively. And they feel the stiffness. They feel like it's not smooth. And I'm like, out of 100% how does that hip feel? And they'll say, well, maybe like 50 or 60%. I'm like, okay, so we have a 50% hip and you are trying to do walking lunges, barbell deadlifts, and like plyometric training with those hips that barely move. And maybe those exercises, you probably need an 80 to 90% hip in order to do them properly. So you're putting your body through motions that you don't have the prerequisites to do so and now your body needs to make up for it and it's usually the lumbar spine to do so right so a lot of times it's like i get someone with low back pain and right away i assess their hips and i'm like wow no wonder so really the basic thing is like okay now we know lots of hip mobility maybe some hip stability work and let's build the endurance of the low back and like two to three months of being consistent people are like i ask like clients all the time like, oh, how do that how does the back feel and they're like you know what pretty good actually and they don't even notice it and this is the power of exercise if you know what you're doing and this is what i'm kind of like portray and this is why my this is why i wrote my book because i want to give you as much information as possible and follow a program based on your anatomy because you do an assessment on it in the book, and the assessment dictates what version of the program you do. Now, the other thing, too, is what we talked about last week is the thoracic spine. Say the thoracic spine doesn't move the way it should, where do you think the movement's going to come from? Lumbar spine. Like, our thoracic spine should rotate 45 degrees in each direction. But say if it can't get to 45, say it gets to, like, 25, that la- the rest of the rotation comes with the lumbar spine because most likely you're a person that the hips don't even move. And again, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier about our um, average day is spent sitting. And what does sitting do to our hips and thoracic spine? It makes them stiff. So now we have so many different factors making our lumbar spine overwork in an environment where we don't even have the endurance to keep up. So you're like you're destined to fail if you don't keep up with your mobility work and just movement in general, right? So I talked a lot about that and barely did showed anything. So we're going to go through some videos right now because I want some tangible things that you guys – can do to help yourself. So again, this is going to be for individuals that don't... I hate when this happens. Oh yeah, I can move it. All right. So again, this is for individuals that are cleared for exercise, These exercises tend to work, and if we look at building the endurance of the low back, we got to look at core stability. So some of my favorite core stability exercises are dead bugs. So one of my favorite ones is the yoga block variation. So... I would say that the dead bug is probably one of the most butchered exercises out there, because most people don't know how to create, you know, stability, like stiffness, in their body. So in this video, I'm gonna cue it up. I have a block wedged between my forearm and leg. A lot of times when people do a dead bug, they'll extend the leg, and a lot of times it would be like, oh, I just feel my hip flexor or my low back hurts. So in that case, if you create tension, things will fall into place. And the example I always give is like, say if I told you to go lift the 100-pound dumbbell at your gym, you will not go over there and all like loosey-goosey try to pick it up because you know you're going to injure yourself. What do you do? You like, get into a better posture, you create tension in your body, you grab the dumbbell and you squeeze the crap out of it to ensure you don't hurt yourself. Right? Most exercises should be performed that way. So with the dead bug, I took the same concept of like, what if I created an environment where you literally had to squeeze the shit out of everything, like if you were picking up something heavy, then it kind of fixes that issue of like, oh, I don't really feel it. So in this exercise, I put a yoga block between the knee slash thigh and form, and I try to crush the block as I extend out, because that's the hardest part. The moment you extend out, you need a lot of core activation to make sure that you don't hurt yourself. So this eliminates that issue. So now I'm teaching my body how to create stiffness here, and then as I come in, I let go of Um, how much tension I put in. So that's the most important part when it comes to creating core stability is not to overwork it, but to slowly throw those things in where you know, I create tension as I extend and I lessen the tension as I come back in. And that teaches all the musculature surrounding that lumbar spine to be stiff and then relax, be stiff, and to relax depending on what we do, right? So this is one of my favorite exercises to perform when it comes to um, low back um, rehab and again this episode low back pain part two is probably one of the best things to go watch right after this because I put all my episodes of low back pain that is um, more hands-on into this so 100 percent, you should definitely watch that um, another exercise is definitely the bird dog which is another exercise that is so butchered in the rehab space because most people don't know how to create tension so uh, i'm talking really fast too sorry So I came up with that whole idea of tension earlier, and I applied it also to the bird dog. So what I'm doing here with my fist, I'm squeezing the crap out of it. So I'm pulling to get all the back involved as well, and back down. So traditionally what the bird dog does is to create um, core stability, hip stability, and low back stability. So in this position, One, you can see that my heel is aggressively being pushed in the opposite direction. So you can actually see my glute engage quite a bit. Everyone makes the mistake of kicking this thing up as high as possible. Perfect hip extension is 20 degrees. It's not like 45 degrees. And what happens after 20 is lumbar extension. We don't need our lumbar being activated. We need our glute. To turn on. So every time we do hip extension, our glute turns on and our low back doesn't take over. The other thing too is our lats. Our lats directly insert to the top portion of our pelvis so it crosses over our lumbar spine. So learning how to stay stiff through the lumbar spine is huge. And funny enough, I'm literally wearing the t-shirt in this video and shout out to rev fit, which is another podcast that I've been on. Shout out to Jason, who is another amazing podcaster and coach out in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland, somewhere in Ohio. Anyway. um, So with that tension, in my fists, I'm squeezing, I'm pulling back to get my lats engaged. Then I'm also um, driving forward, which you'll see here to get back into the regular position of the bird dog. Because now my two um, extremities are at the um, end range of extension. And anytime you make a lever longer, it makes it um, more challenging. So these two exercises go hand in hand. A lot of times with low back people, I will do this as a back-to-back set where we do... Um, the bird dog and the dead bug back to back for three sets, you know, eight reps, 10 reps, whatever you want to do. And that helps teach the body to stay stiff, to create tension, to create stability, right? So a lot of times these two exercises are golden, just like literally all you need to do to get things started. Um, When it comes from a mobility standpoint, we need to focus on T-spine and um, hip mobility. And kind of my go-tos are T-spine cars, um, which I've shown before, but um, I want to show you a T-spine rotation exercise. And if you guys are not subscribed to my YouTube channel, 100% you should. There's so much here um, for reference, but... In this position here, I'm in a tall kneel, but my knees are wider than hip width part because I don't want my lumbar spine moving that much. And the toes in the back are digging in to squeeze the glutes, to engage the glutes. So I'm in hip extension, and I'm just rotating left to right, squeezing the block to create tension again. And when we get to that end range where we're rotating, that opposite hip is actually getting a hip flexor stretch. So, again, imagine if I could get this moving in a mobility exercise and at the same time working on some musculature that tends to get really tight on people who sit all day. It's a gem. So this is definitely a go-to I get to do with clients every single day and also – Patience and what I do every single day to make sure that I'm, you know, tip-top shape. So that's my favorite T-spine slash hip mobility exercise. And when it comes to hip mobility, there's a lot that we can do. But the biggest thing is improving hip internal rotation. And one exercise that I really like to do is... Just a simple supine um, position, taking my hip into hip internal rotation and external rotation. So all I'm doing is taking my ankle to the opposite side. So that's external rotation and internal rotation actively. Now I'm squeezing the crap again with my fist, pushing into the ground to really influence the tissue of my hip going through internal and external rotation, which are huge players when it comes to hip mobility. Now. I'm going to stop the share. There we go. So I'm gonna stop it there because as you can tell, the low back, there's so much that I can talk to talk about and just get into detail. But you know, if you follow the principles of finding your pain trigger, eliminating that pain trigger. So if it's you picking up your kid all the time that tends to do that. Find a different way to pick them up. Um, Building the endurance of the low back musculature and then focusing on T-spine mobility and also um, hip mobility. Wow, my brain is not functioning the way it should. And you guys will definitely be on the right track. If you have any questions about this, because this is a huge topic, feel free to reach out. Um, I also want to show you a little preview of my book. So, let's go from the top. Um, I need to screen share again, guys. I thought I was done. Mm-mm-mm. All right, Here I am. here's my book. I'm just going to show you this. That's all you're getting in this book. It's quite a bit. And then if you look at the side view here, look at how many pages you get of information. Like I get into um, benefits of rock taping when it comes to bruising. Like I teach quite a bit. Like I get into anatomy quite deeply here of how your like shit moves and how that's going to influence how you um, work out. What else? We also get into femur anatomy, hip anatomy. Talk about hip internal rotation. What else? And I show you without giving away too much? Like, look how many pages this is. It's a monster of a book. And like I can just keep going. And then here are the tutorials. So this is the cool thing: is like I have a full-on written portion of how to do the exercise. I have photos of each position for the thing. And then I have a demo exercise. So if you click this. It'll take you right to the video. And then there's also a tutorial for each one. And then the really cool thing, and hopefully I don't give too much away, is the actual program. Oh, workout sheets. So many workout sheets to follow along. Oh, the little preview. So hit the show notes, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram. Put your name down for the pre-sale list because I'm going to be releasing this week the uh, release date for my book. So if you want to get it first with a special discount, hit the show notes, fill out that Google form, put your name and email down, and I'll personally email you with the link to my book. And that's it for me, guys. Until next time. What is up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Profound Matuszewski, and we are back to another great, great episode as I try to figure out where to put my headphones, because I don't like wearing them when I do this. Um, If you haven't done so already, my ebook, The Ironclad Body Training System Volume 2, is out. Holy shit. It's already, it's here. It's here, you guys. And I'm really excited because I've already had so many people purchase the book i've had so many people reach out saying like this thing is like the most amazing thing they've ever read or seen and you know it just it's a great feeling to know when you put out something people really enjoy you know the amount of effort you put in um <laughs> Writing this book took me a long time, but realistically, it took a very short time based on some authors I know uh, when it comes to writing books. And, but it was one of those projects where it just felt right. And, uh, you know, over and over and over again, I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing. And, you know, here we are on my release day. And I want to give a special shout out to, every single person that's already purchased or at least, you know, opened up the website to go check it out. Um, So if you haven't done so already, the uh, show notes of this episode uh, will have the link to the website. So you can like check out the book, what it's about, uh, or you can watch my previous episodes um, where I talk about the book and, you know, see if it's a right fit for you. And if you've been listening to my podcast for years or, Just got onto it a couple months ago. You know, I produce a lot of free content that's literally some of the best stuff that you can get out there for free. Um, If there's one way to support this show and me buying this ebook would be it. Um, Again, I don't do any ads on my show. Uh, I probably will never do it because I just feel that why have you sit through a minute of a random company talk about insurance or whatever company decides to, you know, do ads on my show, then just listen to good fitness health advice. So yeah, my show's probably never going to have ads unless, you know, it was a company that I truly believed in and they wanted to sponsor the show, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I literally make no money on this podcast. We're almost at 500 episodes, um, almost at a million listens worldwide, and I'm gonna just keep going. You know, I'm gonna keep going. A lot of podcasts out there, that's their livelihood. They do ads all the time, and you know, I put in my time, I buy equipment, I edit, all those things. Don't ask for anything in return. So this would be perfect if you guys want to support me and support the show. Uh, Check out the ebook, Purchase it. I'm going to to send you a little thank you. Um, So let's get into the show today. So we're going to look at low back pain and how to find and kind of like figure it out. And I'm actually going to utilize my book because the one huge section in my book is figuring out your pain trigger, figuring out... um, You know, what hurts and why. So we're going to look at a couple things that I actually also posted about um, maybe a month ago about low back pain. So this is going to be kind of like low back pain part four. And uh, I'm going to share my screen once again. And hopefully it works. Okay. Oh, it's already on the page that I need it to be. Perfect. See, guys, I'm in a good mood because I just want to crush life with you. Um, Okay, so figuring out low back pain. So this is literally from my books. You're also getting a little preview of what to expect. So um, this is in the assessment section, and there is a lot, a lot of information here. And I always feel that, you know, I'm not a rep counter. I'm an educator about your body. So for many of us, and I've said this on my show before, we probably know more about our vehicles when it comes to maintenance and fixing them than we do with our own bodies, which is a pretty dangerous idea if you really think about it. And then we have the audacity to go to you know, <clears throat> the gym and think that X, Y, and Z exercise is going to be beneficial to us. And I see this time and time again because, you know, I'm the so-called rehab guy that also helps people with fat loss. I literally get people coming into to me, and in the assessment, they give me this long list of their injuries and car accidents and surgeries they've had, and they're going to the gym, and everything always fucking hurts. And I put them through an assessment, and I'm like, well, no shit that – this exercise that you've been doing or this exercise you like because it burns your abs whatever that means, um, there's no surprise that people feel like shit after they work out when they are dealing with certain injuries. So my job really is to navigate people in the right direction where it comes to, you know, making exercise an individual thing. So one of the, great things about continuing education that I absolutely love is gaining more knowledge of how I can help people, right? So when I take a course or I look at a course, I go, oh, this seems interesting. I ask myself, is this course a selfish thing that I want because it seems interesting? Or is this course going to help provide a better service to my clients? I always choose the latter, that this course needs to be able to benefit my clients. Because really what makes me a better trainer than the guy or gal down the street is me getting you to your goal faster, right? So if I have a plethora of knowledge when it comes to pain and getting you out of pain, then I, I'm going to be with you for a while, Um So the big thing when it comes to back pain is doing some compression tests. So a lot of times, um, something simple that you can do. So even before I get into that, if you have back pain, your number one step should not be, I'm gonna find a trainer to get me out of back pain. Your number one thing to do is go find a physio or chiro and have them do a thorough assessment to rule out other things that may be causing your back pain, and then come listen and watch this and do these things. Again, this stuff is based on clinical practice that I've had and practice with, well, um, not practice, but um, experience with training people that are broken. So we're going to look at the compression test for, um back pain. So in this little excerpt, expert excerpt script, whatever writing thing that I have here. Compressive loads. So if you think of I'm on a back squat, so I have this barbell on my back, compressive load. Um, people who press overhead, compressive load, uh, people who you know powerlift, do CrossFit, Olympic weightlifters. Anything that goes overhead or lies down onto the back of the shoulders with a load is going to have a compressive loading effect on the spine, which could also be, um, you know, the reason why you're getting back pain. And I see this a lot with CrossFitters here in the clinic where, you know, they've been training high volumes. Uh, maybe the last couple months it's been a lot of back squatting and overhead pressing and they're wondering why they're getting back pain. Compression test is number one. So um, in this video, let's click here to watch. So this is a cool thing. Um, with my um, ebook. every exercise that's in there has a video to it. So this is the compression test. So very simply, you go on the tippy toes and you slowly let yourself drop to the ground. And that drop could recreate um, the pain, right? So a lot of times when it comes to figuring out your pain is how can I recreate it in a safe environment? And here I'm like full control, And, like, I'm going pretty hard because I don't have back pain. I haven't had back pain in a while, so, you know, knock on wood. But when you do this and you're dealing with pain right at this moment, you kind of want to go kind of slow because you never know that kind of jarring, like, compression test is not going to feel the greatest. So, you know, bear with me. Go slow and soft. And um, so if this becomes positive, We are now getting closer to the reason why your back is getting, you know, effed up. Um, The big thing here is now we have some information to build a hypothesis, which I write in my book. Um, After we do this, um, you want to write down, this is the biggest thing with the low back pain too, is like you want to have a journal when it comes to figuring out your back pain, you want to start documenting everything you do. The more information you have, the better, um, um, the faster way you're actually gonna figure it out. So now that we've done our standing compression test, say it's a positive, there was some pain, you felt like, the, oh, okay, it's there. So now we're like, okay, we know that compression is causing back pain, but now let's figure out if it's causing back pain posteriorly or anteriorly. Because sometimes your disc can go backwards or forwards depending where the compression is. So um, the seated compression test is kind of like step two to figure out uh, what the hell's going on with your back. So in this video which, oh, what am I doing, guys? Oh, this is weird. Why is it not going? I'm not a big fan of uh, technology here right now. Okay. All right, so in this one, we are going to be in a seated position. Just like standing, we are going to pull with our arms and you can see my facial expression that I'm pulling hard to see if I can recreate paint, right? So this would be a seated upright compression test to see if I can recreate it. And then we're going to also go into a slouch position and also pull. Say for example, that we don't get any, you know, finding in that upright position pulling But then we get a finding here and you pull and you get pain. Now we know it's going to be a posterior disc issue because when you look at the spine, um, say this, my hand is the spine and we are going into flexion. So now all my discs on the outside of my spine are being pushed this way and if you are like me and all the other people in this world right now, like this in front of their computer and doing Zoom calls, and then you're like tired and you like lean back in your chair like this, your spine's in flexion. So now think about you sitting like that for eight to 10 hours or however long you sit in front of your computer. We have compression, compressional forces going into our spine placing um, pressure onto the disc in that forward flex position. So our disc is going to go this way. So a lot of times when I see low back pain and we do this seated compression test and there's pain, it's like, well, now we've figured out one of the mechanisms of why you're getting back pain. So now what do you want to think about is um, What positions could we um, kind of reverse that? So if we go back to my YouTube page, which if you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, like, what are you doing? Come on now. What are you doing? You need to be subscribed because I post a lot of videos. And I got some big stuff happening this year, which is going to... Make my YouTube channel very, very interesting. So get your shit together. uh, um, Where are, you know what? I'm going to go through. Oh, look at that, everyone. That's my uh, website. Move this out of the way. Okay. So if we know that our bodies tend to fall into. Forward flexion a lot. What is the natural way to fix that? So, if I'm spending all my time here, it would kind of make sense for me to spend more time here. So, things like One sec, I'm going to give you an example. That's not it. Mm. Trying to look for a T spine exercise that is going to. Yeah. Let's do this. And I also have to probably make this episode um, a little bit short because I'm running out of battery life here. All right. So, what we're going to do here is a foam roller extension. I have done um, an episode where I've gone over thoracic extension. So essentially, you're trying to move, just like in the video, through our T-spine. Because a lot of times, when we're here, we're placing compressive forces on the... um, low back that's causing us that pain mechanism. So with the foam roller, like in this video, which is another reason why I should subscribe to my YouTube channel because I have all these tutorials to help, we're going to teach our body how to extend because a lot of times when we're here, all these muscles back here are going to end up getting tight, and they're going to want to stay that tight to kind of make you more efficient to stay in that. So here I'm slowly extending my T-spine. And how we start, we actually keep the foam roller kind of the beginning of your uh, rib cage and do a couple reps there. And then from there, we're gonna move down a little bit further. We're gonna further extend. And then one more time at the very top, more extension. So when we train extension, We're teaching our body that we don't always have to be here. We're also relieving a lot of neural tension, meaning our nervous system that basically regulates our entire body um, to not stay kind of like this the entire time. And we'll kind of loosen up the grip a little bit. I always kind of um, educate to my clients and trainers that your nervous system is kind of like an emergency brake. Sometimes when we're constantly feeding our nervous system to stay tight, it's going to overly want to keep us there. And by doing thoracic extension exercises like this, then we're going to be able to kind of communicate back to the nervous system and be like, hey, you don't have to be like this. You don't have to be in a straight jacket all the time. You can chill a little bit, you know. So with that, you also want to focus on some rotation Right? So a lot of times when we're here, like, think about all these muscles across the upper T-spine. If we're always like this, they're also going to tighten up, which is also going to prevent us from rotating. So we need to also focus on uh, rotation. And I'm getting really nervous that my battery is not going to last. So maybe... A little bit later, I'm going to have to um, uh, grab my charger, but we're going to look at one of my favorite T spine uh, ro- uh, rotation exercises. So, again, this is in my book because over the years I have, you know, learned so many different exercises. <laughs> it was a little uh, blooper in the beginning I left in there, but um, We're going to be in a tall kneeling position, and we're holding that block. With the knees, they're going to be super wide, so then you can uh, make sure that the low back doesn't get in the way because a lot of times when people are tight up top to rotate, they're going to try to use their low back. So the knees being uh, wide, toes digging in, squeezing the glutes, it's going to lock out the lumbar spine. With this block, we're going to be holding it together, Fingers interlace like that so you can actually pull on it. So we're creating like some stability and tension. And from there, we're actually going to rotate right and left to focus on rotation. And really, one of the best things about this exercise is as I rotate, I'm getting a good hip flexor stretch on that opposite hip. So like as I rotate, like all of this stuff is also getting stretched, which is also the muscles that when I'm sitting – like this, they're being pulled into flexion and they're gonna get really, really, really tight. So I always look at exercises where they kind of do two things at once, right? I wanna do most bang for my buck to help people move more efficiently rather than just focusing on one exercise that maybe just focuses on one or two things. Like I want the whole system moving a lot better and why not find exercises to do that right so now that we have some guidance on where we need to kind of put our attention on when we are fighting kind of compressive loads in flexion we're also going to look at if there was a pain mechanism in extension so remember when we started we were doing that you know seated one pulling what if we had pain there Maybe our disc is going anteriorly, causing those compressive loads in extension. As we get into this next thing, I'm going to quickly grab my charger to make sure that this doesn't shut off. So I'll be right back. This is a first. literally the funniest thing that's ever happened but kind of a side story um i've had this laptop for five years and i've been getting messages that i need to uh service my battery but you know what we're living on the wild side anyway we're gonna look at something called the extension test, the McKenzie extension test. So, say if we found um, a positive result in our compression in an extended position, we're gonna also do um, a couple movements to, you know, rule out if it's extension or not. So, this is where kind of you becoming a detective um, for your own body. So uh, sure, let's just do this one. So the McKenzie protocol, um, you start off with getting into a prone position, meaning lying on your belly onto your face. And in that position, what we're going to do is lie down on our belly, just like so, hands on top of each other, forehead on top. My hair looks really good in this. Um, Forehead on uh, the hands. And what I'm explaining here is that you're also going to breathe. So the big thing of figuring out your back pain, particularly low back pain, is teaching, again, the nervous system to settle down. A lot of times when you get into positions like this, you might end up feeling tight, spasm, things like that. So that kind of gets me into the mindset of like, oh, shit, maybe this is a compression um, issue and putting you into an extension pattern is causing that. So now we can kind of like figure out that the low back pain you're experiencing is based in extension positions. So this is kind of like the level one to kind of see if it's truly extension. So say if someone got into this position and I'm like, okay, I just want you to breathe like five deep breaths, focusing on your belly and they're like spasming, they're cramping like in all of this stuff here, maybe in the rib cage, then that kind of tells me, all right, so you're probably doing a lot of overhead pressing, maybe some snatches. And all that load is causing compressive forces into the disks, and it's causing pain. Say that this doesn't present anything. Let's just say that it actually feels good. It kind of gives you a little bit of relief. Then we're going to move on to kind of the next phase to truly rule out that extension is not the issue. So we get into something like the sphinx position. And in this position, it increases the angle of extension onto your spine. So we're going to go into full screen. So if you look at this now, and I'm still breathing the angle of extension is far greater than if we were, you know, hands on top of the forehead uh, type of position. So when we look at this with increased angle, it's gonna put more pressure and this could be where you actually feel um, pain. So now if I get a positive result, then it's like, okay, any like hyperextension is going to cause um, back pain. So I'm going to try to eliminate any, you know, um, position or exercise that will take me into extension. And sometimes when you think of like, say a barbell or like even a dumbbell overhead press, as you like get to like rep six, seven, eight, nine, or whatever you're aiming for, and you're starting to fatigue, what's going to happen is you're going to want to arch and go into that position. And even for myself, as I'm doing that, I can already feel all of this kind of getting fatigued so in that case simply taking out overhead pressing for a little while is probably going to clear up and settle down low back pain like it's not rocket science it's very very simple so let's just say this was okay maybe a little bit cramping but not anything crazy there's kind of stage three so it's a simple cobra um Stretch from like yoga to really rule out that, you know, um, extension uh, is not the cause. So, if you look at this angle of how much extension I'm putting through my spine, if someone had back pain due to um, extension issues, this would for sure flare up. And shout-out to me back in 2017 when I had long-ass hair and owned a gym. This was my old gym, you guys. This was pretty cool. Um, so sometimes uh, the reason why you want to go through all these three progressions is that when we're dealing with pain, our bodies are really good at masking it, hiding it, and our bodies learn to adapt to movements so the big thing is you want to rule it out as much as possible. And all we did was take you through different um, positions um, to ensure that it's an extension thing. So no matter what, all those three options are going to point towards that you are most likely dealing with like an anterior disc herniation or a bulging disc because you're doing too much stuff in this position in your workouts. How often does that happen? For me, it's usually when I'm dealing with a CrossFit or Olympic weightlifter or a powerlifter who does, you know, heavy loads in that extension pattern. I'd say 9 out of 10 times I get people in, you know, flexion stuff. So funny enough, when it comes to people with extension stuff, I want them to do more flexion stuff. So what is good flexion? Cuz, you know, if you've been following my work, you kind of know um how i'm anti crunches which is lots of flexion um but something as simple as a child's pose and this is going to be a video of my wife because for a while there she did some uh videos for me and this also dates how old this video is because like look at look at the Size of this image. This was like probably when I had my iPhone 4 or 5. But uh, if you look in this position, we actually have some good curvature of the spine. And that's going to one, provide some relief if you're that extension based person. And also, we're also teaching the body how to uh, down regulate all that stress. So remember how I said our nervous system is kind of our regulator to pain. And if I am constantly like this, what does every yogi in the world tell you to do is breathe. Every time we use our diaphragm, not the breathing muscles up here because we're stress breathing, the stuff down here in our belly, we stimulate the vagus nerve, which is um, responsible for settling down all of your stress. So if I can get you in a position where it relieves tension off of those extended positions. And on top of that, throw in diaphragmic breathing that's going to kind of supercharge it. Like that's my another example of choosing exercises that do more than just one thing. And this is why so many people need to learn more about their body. And this is why, again, I'm a huge advocate about my book because when I started writing this, I was like, okay, what can I um, put into this book to help people as much as possible? And I always go back to figuring out pain, because all of us have had it, figuring out what to do about it, and then what exercise should I be doing and not be doing? And in this book, you're going to get all of that, right? So it's kind of like a manual for your own body, and then it teaches you how to use it. Right? It's like when you get, I don't know, a brand new car and you're like, here's your big ass manual of all the functions. Like, I can imagine if someone got like a brand new Tesla, the amount of freaking buttons and options you have for that thing um, would come with a pretty big um, you know, uh, manual of what to do. So I really hope that this episode kind of gave you some clarity about figuring out your low back pain with compression tests. Um, if you need more information, feel free to reach out. But better yet, just get my ebook. You know, yes, I am selfishly plugging my book, but this is something that everybody could benefit from. If you need more information about my book, like go to my website. Um, let's see if I can move myself, theironcladbody.com, and you'll be able to get a little preview of what it is. It's on sale right now for $57. It's a 42% discount. And I'm only having that sale for one week. So as of this recording on Saturday, which is like February 4th or 5th, whatever it is, it's going to $100. And that's going to be the um, standard for the whole year. So don't hesitate if you are considering getting my book Because you don't want to wait until it's $100 and you're like, fuck, I could have had a sweet discount. Um, If you have any more questions, I had other um, videos about my book. Uh, I think two episodes ago, there was like a full-on FAQ of common questions I got from people online. Uh, Shout out again to all the people who've bought my book already. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hit the show notes. Add me on Facebook. Add me on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel and hit the show notes to buy my book, The Ironclad Body Training System Volume 2. That's it for me, you guys. I'm gonna stop the screen share and stop this episode. Until next time, you guys. What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host for Falmatishewski, and I'm excited about today's episode because I feel like I get this question a lot. Um, people message me online about it. Um, I've had a few people tell me this issue and rather than just, you know, answering them, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to put a episode together and, uh, kind of explain the mechanism behind this whole thing. So as many of you know, if you go on like Instagram or Facebook or wherever you get your social media from when it comes to fitness and health, um, usually what you'll see is the typical five booty exercises that you should be doing to gain blah, 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 um, which is all fun and good. And you know, anytime there's a video or a piece of content that promotes people to exercise I'm all about it. But, um, The common thing that a lot of people will get is when it comes to doing these booty band, glute raise, hip thrust type of exercises, um, sometimes people will feel it in their lower back or they will feel it only in their hamstring. But in this particular case, I want to talk about when people feel um, pain in their low back, when they try to do any kind of exercises for their glutes, specifically when it comes to hip extension. So if you look at the work of, you know, the so-called glute guy, Dr. Um, Brett Contreras, who literally is like the grandfather of glute exercises. And if you want to learn more, he has a thick-ass textbook when it comes, pun intended, thick-ass. I just realized that right now. Um, Textbook of glute training and The biggest thing that he said is that in order to have full potential growth in your glutes, you need to do hip extension exercises like any glute bridge, barbell glute bridge, hip thrust, those type of things where you can maximally load your glutes in a hip extension pattern, then you're going to get the most bang for your buck. But most people, when they place themselves in a hip extension position, hurt the low back. So we're going to try to figure this out together um, and give you some options. So... The biggest thing when people tell me this, uh, online especially, I can't give them a direct answer because I can't see what's going on with their body. So a lot of times, this happens so many times um, throughout the week, is I'll get questions on Instagram where people are like, hey, this thing hurts, what should I do? And I'm like, well, first of all, you should go see somebody. Um, For some odd reason, people just assume that every trainer knows everything about anatomy and pain, but we don't. Um, But second, it's like, I can't give you even an educated guess if I can't assess you. Even if the assessment's online, at least it gives me some information, but most of the time I can't give you anything if I can't see you move and I can't test certain things. The biggest thing that I see uh, when it comes to pain and hip extension patterns is what's happening at the hips. A lot of times when you have a hip mobility issue, um, then you won't really be able to... perform any kind of hip extension exercise that's going to allow you to grow your so-called glutes so the thing that I see a lot and this kind of becomes a pattern one I test hip extension meaning say you're laying down on your stomach and you're trying to lift your leg and actually let's uh, share a screen and I'm going to show you what I mean it's always good to have visuals. Also, this is a good opportunity to tell you that if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, you you should definitely do that because we're almost at 400. And that's just going to help me reach more people. So if you like the stuff that I do, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, hip extension. There we go. It's also like full screen, this thing. Come on, YouTube. It takes forever to load. So, in this video, I'm demonstrating pure hip extension. So, if I pause it here, I'm extending my hip to get my glute engaged. And my pants are definitely eating the other way around. Sorry, my ass is eating up my pants so hard in this video. I just realized that. Um, But, good representation of what glute development looks like. Anyway. Again, hip extension is not that impressive when it comes to degrees. So good functioning hip needs just about 20 degrees. And that's what I'm demonstrating here. Most of the time though, when you don't have enough range where your body is going to get that hip extension from is through lumbar spine. And that's why a lot of times people will feel like their low back is the main um, player of the game when it comes to um, any hip extension. So this is just a simple active range of motion. And this is what I would test, both passive and active. Passive meaning I would grab the person's leg and lift it into hip extension, see how much range they have, see where they feel it. Because a lot of times when I just you know move the leg into hip extension, they're like, I feel it in my back already. So say this most basic movement where you don't even have control, where I'm literally lifting you up and you already have pain, It's going to be a long, long battle for you to get any kind of glute uh, recruitment or any kind of glute gains if physically I'm lifting you and you're already getting pain in the low back. But let's say you don't, and then you actively do hip extension, just like in this video, and then you get pain. That's another big issue because now we have pain in an active environment, meaning any time you ask your hip to extend, you get pain. Meaning every glute bridge, every um, uh, hip thrust, barbell glute bridge, you're going to get pain. So what happens when you continually feed that, you know, information through your nervous system that it's a painful pattern? It's going to be that much harder to stop it. So there's another aspect to this. So not only would I check hip extension, I would also check hip internal rotation. And I'll tell you why in a second, but what the hell is hip internal rotation? So let's go find a video on that because it's going to be super important that we go through this. Uh, Let's play this guy. So in this video, I'm going to be demonstrating both hip internal and external rotation. So this is just standing, that's external, but what I'm gonna be looking at here is internal. So in this case, my hip is at 90 degrees and I'm checking internal rotation. You can check internal rotation when the leg is straight, but a lot of times you'll not get the best um, result because now you're also kind of cranking on the knee and the knee's gonna have some sort of movement. So that's why it's kind of best to check hip internal rotation at 90. Plus it kind of gives you more of a specific outcome because if you think about every squat, split squat, hip thrust, your hips are going to end up being at 90 degrees. So it's kind of a better um, way to assess how much internal rotation you have. So typically if I take someone into hip internal rotation and it does not look like this, where they have at least 20 degrees, that's kind of like our magic number today, um, Any sort of glute exercise is probably not going to work out in your favor. So when people have limited hip internal rotation, what happens is they end up not having enough room at the capsule, which is kind of like the main meat and potatoes of where your hip joint is, and everything that allows you to move needs to start at the capsule. So the capsule does not have a good foundation then your leg's not going to do shit for you. And you're basically going to do the whole square peg in a round hole over and over and over and over again. And boom, now you have pinching in your hip. Boom, you have a little back pain. Boom, your hamstrings are always cramping when you're trying to do a hamstring curl or whatever it is. So that was a really fast way of explaining that. But um, this is kind of like the lowest hanging fruit because anytime I find people with low back pain performing glute exercises – guaranteed hip extension sucks and hip internal rotation sucks. So what is the way to fix that? You get more hip internal rotation and better hip extension. So we need to build a new hip. We need to, you know, promote more room at the capsule so then when you try to extend your hip because hip internal rotation has a huge influence on how your hip can extend. If I have zero hip internal rotation when i try to extend Mm -hmm. it's just going to be stuck right like if you think about your hip as like old gum that has been under a freaking desk for years and then you try to like pull on it like you have some elasticity to it but it's like really hard to pull it off that's how most shitty hips will feel when they're trying to do an exercise but say we try to get that gum to renew itself somehow and without any kind of disgusting ideas um then it would have more kind of give and it's going to be smoother when you pull it apart and that's how a hip should move like it should move like you're literally spreading butter that's been sitting out on your like kitchen counter for like an hour and you can just like smother that over a piece of bread or like make garlic toast or whatever you want to do Um, now i'm super hungry now Um, i don't know how i got there but here we go Hip internal and, and uh, hip internal rotation hip extension is what is going to be the key to building better glutes. So no matter how much you try every single glute variation you could think of to grow your glutes and you don't have enough hip internal and hip extension and a good capsule, you're you might as well just keep running against the wall. You're not going to achieve what you're trying to achieve. So now the question becomes, okay, how do I build a better hip? The joke I always say is kin stretch because that's what you literally need because you need to influence the tissue to be more resilient, to move better, to be able to take more uh, load and everything like that. So it's kind of hard to now give advice to someone that may be listening that is like, okay, well, I need this but we don't know if there's other underlying issues. Like we haven't even checked your knee. We haven't even checked your ankle. We haven't even checked your T-spine. Like all those things matter, but these two tend to be the culprit. So without, you know, me being a smart ass, to saying that you need to just do kin stretch, let's figure out what we can do in the meantime. So um, one of the things is doing some sort of like pails and rails um, exercises. So when I work with, especially like CrossFitters that are going to have exercises that's going to require a lot of hip internal and hip extension um, qualities, you know, they might not be able to spend 45 minutes to an hour each week working on kin stretch stuff. But if I could Implemented into their warm up or right before they like barbell back squat, that's going to be huge for them. So, one exercise that I really, really like when it comes to gaining more hip internal rotation is the supine lying um, internal rotation uh, with the dowel, where we place our hip into internal rotation. So, the dowel comes on the outside and kind of scoops around the foot. And I hold this for two minutes. So the reason why I like this variation is, number one, the hip is at nine degrees, which is going to resemble a lot of the movements that you want to build your glutes. Two, we have a pretty good like prying type of position with the um, dowel, and we're going to get more out of it this way. So again, we're holding this for two minutes to, one, kind of start sending the signal in our body that, We want to influence the tissue um, involved when it comes to hip internal rotation. The pails and rails in this position, what we're going to do is, if you look at where my foot is, I'm going to be pushing it into the dowel, which I'm doing right now, and I'm fighting that push with my hands against the dowel. So I'm creating an isometric contraction on the outside of the hip right now. After doing that for 10 seconds, you can already see how my foot just got like Just moved over, I got so much more range. I'm gonna kind of hang out in that new position. And right now, I'm doing the rail side is positive, but I'm trying to get my foot and ankle off the dowel without the help of the dowel. So, I'm trying to make space between those two. So, now I'm creating an isometric contraction on the other side of the hip. This is going to promote a lot of good change at a cellular level. Again, I just gained maybe like five to seven more degrees of range of motion. That's probably going to go away tomorrow. But if I kept doing this every single day, I'm eventually going to gain that and that's going to be my new normal. So even though this is going to be gone tomorrow, I don't want to waste it. I want to, you know, challenge it to remind my nervous system that that's my true actual range because holding the little stretch and doing some pails and rails just so showed me that I do have more range that I can acquire. So why not tell my nervous system that that's the new normal. So I could either stop here and now go back squat, which requires hip internal rotation. And it's going to feel amazing. Or I can layer one more thing to um, kind of challenge this and make this a little bit more specific to um, what we're doing. So here's another video where we place ourselves in a hip 90-90 position and I'm working here to lift off at my end range. So this is called a passive uh, range lift off where i placed a block underneath my ankle where say previously to this video i was just lifting my ankle and that was my active range so if i take the block underneath to where my active was now i'm trying to i've put myself into a passive hold and now i'm trying to lift that ankle as hard as possible to lift so i'm sending all this good feedback to my hip to try to lift that guy up and promote more hip internal rotation. So I'm giving it all I got to lift that thing up. And then from there, I would stop there and same thing. So now we need to focus on hip extension. I'm going to check the time because I feel like I've been talking forever. Um, Hip extension. Here we go. Uh, Here we go. One of my favorite ways to develop more hip extension. So in this case, you kind of go into a kind of like a runner's pose from yoga and you're just letting all this stuff stretch out. So if you remember from the video previously where I'm lying down on my stomach and lifting up the hip, that's hip extension. So if you look at that, that's hip extension. So in this position, in order to do a good um, hails and rails contraction and for hip extension, I always bend the knee. So when it, flans this piece out. And I can kind of create a better contraction compared to having that foot flat. So in this scenario, I'm pushing down into the ground as hard as possible to influence the tissue in the front. And then I go into a deeper stretch. And then I'm going to do my rails contraction, where I'm trying to lift this whole leg into extension, driving my heel up towards the ceiling. And that's going to, one, now influence my hip extension. So just like the other video where we were working on hip interim rotation, I could either stay here, do this, and now move on to um, my back squat, my barbell, hip thrust, whatever it is, or now I can kind of challenge it. So this would be a amazing opportunity to, you know, in that first video where I showed my prone hip extension where I'm just lifting the leg up, and um, I can, you know, hold – five seconds at a time five um, times per side or something as simple as like a glute bridge a glute bridge would be another way to demonstrate my new range and it's probably going to feel better the other side to this whole thing is that maybe you're getting pain because of other things you know previous health history previous injury maybe you have a disc herniation. maybe there's something else causing low back pain when you try to extend the hip from my point of view, it's like, let's see what you can do movement wise. And if we exhausted all of the suggestions that I just had here and we still don't have change in pain levels, there's probably something underlying that we're not seeing. And that's where another professional can come in and help. But the other side to that is it takes time. Like, in order to influence tissue change, it's probably as hard or harder than just strictly weight loss. You know, a lot of times in the clinic here, people will come in dealing with chronic pain and, you know, they've had back pain for 10 years. Do you really think you doing these exercises once or twice a week is going to undo 10 years of pain? Probably not. It's going to take time. But if you were consistent, say, doing it every single day for the next three months, at least the scale of, how much pain you do get if you try to extend the hip is going to go down, right? And I think a lot of people misunderstand where I come from as being like the so-called rehab guy, but this all influences how successful you're going to be in the gym when it comes to seeing the weight come off. Because say, yeah, your goal is to get a bigger, stronger butt, and you really like doing back squats, but your back hurts all the freaking time, you're not going to be able to do those things. You're going to have to take time off in the gym. You're going to see less activity. You're going to fall into bad habits. You're also going to fall into poor eating decisions, whatever it is. And it's kind of like a cumulative effect where all this kind of shit just caves in. And then you're at a point where you have no motivation and then you stop completely. And then you get to a point where six months goes down the road and you're like, shit, I need to get back into the swing of things. And now probably by that time, because you've been inactive your back is all good, and now you want to go back down the same rabbit hole because, you know, you want to get fit and healthy, but now you're in that same rabbit hole of, like, I'm going to start doing hip thrusts, and now my back hurts, and you still haven't addressed a real issue, right? This is a huge barrier that I've been seeing so much in my career the last, like, four years is that people are not taking care of their bodies with a good foundation. They go right to the hard stuff because they assume that if I do the hard stuff, I'm going to burn Fat faster, but that's not how the body works. You know, you did not gain 20 pounds in four weeks, you gained the 20 pounds over a span of five years. So, really, you can look at it the other way around. In order to lose those 20 pounds that you gained, it's probably going to take the five years, right? Like, you got to think about that way. It's not that easy. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up before I kind of finish up here is. When it comes to low back pain with um, exercises that require um, hip extension is sometimes it's it's what I refer to as like a movement behavior because your body's so used to, when I extend my hip, I'm going to use my lower back and my hamstring and not my glute. That becomes the recruitment pattern every single time you ask your body to Extend the hip. And sometimes it's just like new motor patterning of I need to use my glute. And sometimes, like, literally, if you just lay down, like we had that first video showing hip extension and just squeezing your glutes together, doing nothing else, that could be the first steps to building a better looking ass and no back pain. And then challenging it where you're trying to lift the leg with full glute. Engagement, right? It's like those small things that could add up over time that's going to help a lot. All right. But again, it all depends on the person. It all depends on what you're going through. So it's really difficult for me, especially when I get these messages on Instagram, like, this hurts when I do this exercise. Why? It's like, well, that's a kind of a loaded question, but I can do my best to kind of give you an educated guess. But even then, it's like, there's so many other things that can factor in. Like, Pain is a very, very complicated thing. And if you don't take it seriously and don't seek out professional help, then it's never going to get better, right? You trying to be the tough person, the strong person, no pain, no gain. I'm just going to go to the gym anyway and add more weight on the bench when my shoulder hurts. It's probably not going to end well. So I'm going to leave it there. Hopefully this episode uh, gave you some value, gave you some ideas. If you have any more questions about this whole idea of like, I can't feel my glutes when I do barbell hip thrusts, let me know. Um, Message me. I'm more than happy to help. Um, Hit the show notes, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, and also subscribe to my YouTube channel. I want to grow that thing. I'm going to be putting a lot more video content uh, on there so you don't want to miss. And it's also a good library of exercises that if you need to, you know, see something, how it's done, I have a lot of tutorials on there. It's an amazing resource. Um, So I'm going to end it there. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Until next time, you guys.